Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Soberlink. The Soberlink system is designed to make parenting time safer with real-time remote alcohol monitoring. Soberlink uniquely combines a breathalyzer with wireless connectivity and is the only system that includes facial recognition, tamper detection, and advanced reporting. Parents can submit a test anytime, anywhere, and have test results delivered automatically to the concerned parties. Simplify co-parenting arrangements by using the system that provides transparency and proof of sobriety throughout the day. Join the thousands of parents who are already benefiting from Soberlink by visiting www.soberlink.com backslash family law. For a limited time, get an exclusive $50 off your device by emailing info at soberlink.com and mentioning Divorce and Beyond. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. It, it was hard. It, my former wife is, uh, you know, an A personality and I'm as laid back as they come. And so it was an eye opener of, oh my gosh, what? I, I'm now a dad, part two, really. And how can I spend quality time with Connor and also, you know, give him a, a, a positive life? Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today we're going to be covering the topic of positive fatherhood. And I love that phrase. We talk about positivity in so many ways, but my guest today has coined this phrase and talks about fatherhood, parenthood, um, and in all its different permutations, and he's experienced many of those permutations. So he is the perfect person to be talking about this. My guest today is Tommy Maloney. You may know him from his really popular podcast, um, Blending the Family, which you can find on all the major podcast outlets. Um, He's spoken at TEDx. I actually just watched that TEDx a moment ago. Um, It's fantastic. Go watch it. If you're watching the video, you can see Blending the Family, Blending the Family uh, logo, which is a beautiful uh, rainbow heart. Um, He's also written several books, um, and that's we'll be delving into some tips from those books today. The first one was 25 Tips for Divorced Dads. Um, Then there's Why Not You, Why Not Me? And his new book, um, which is My Dad's Advice at 5.04 a.m., he just told me is going to be out hopefully before. For Christmas, so he's a, that's an ambitious project. I know. I see the cross fingers. I'll keep mine crossed for you too. But Tommy, thanks so much for joining us here today. I'm so honored to be on your show, Susan. Um, I, I know we have friends in the same circle, and uh, when they got me in touch with you, I'm just like, I feel like a little girl. I'm so happy and <laughs> well. It's, well, we today. met. 
through Gabrielle Hartley, actually. Gabby, by, uh, yes. Yeah, the, the uh, effervescent Gabrielle Hartley, who's uh, one of my best friends. And when she told me, when Gabrielle Hartley tells you, you've got to talk to Tommy, I knew I had to talk to Tommy. And, you know, this topic, I was just telling you how uh, happy I am that we're going to be able to talk about this topic because recently I've been doing a series of episodes focusing on sort of the, uh, we did the one, I just did the one, A Toxic Masculinity with Dr. Elizabeth Cohen, the divorce doctor. Um, I also have an episode coming out with Daniel Harold, who is another divorced dad who has started a group called Divorced Over 40, which is there to provide support for both men and women. But, um, you know, there's, there's a lack of support for men. Uh, this is something I think you noticed in your own life and maybe that's why you're so passionate about uh, you know about your projects i was divorced 2008 december 23rd to be specific and here in the state of colorado within 90 days you're divorced papers filed you're done wow yes and the the story of that was on a sunday night uh, my former spouse asked for a divorce the next day i was leaving for a business uh, she already knew the address of where I was at by that Wednesday. I had my divorce papers. It was, it was just mind blowing, Susan, that how quickly it all happened. And as a parent, you really take your time with your kids for granted. And all of a sudden here I am a divorced dad, literally had no place to live. Uh, luckily as a road warrior, I have many hotel points. So that's where I would stay uh, on the weekends I had my son, Connor. So he, for his first few, couple, well, a couple years, uh, he grew up in a uh, either Marriott or a <laughs> residence inn or Hilton, you know, whatever uh, we, we needed. But he had one stipulation, which I always loved, Susan, was he said that any hotel we stay at always had to have a pool. I knew it was going to be the pool. <laughs> I he knew couldn't it was going to be the pool. Oh. He couldn't <laughs> swim, which was so funny. But, but... It was a it was a opportunity for me to work with him on how to learn how to swim, and so because of what I went through, I tried to figure out okay, how do I stay connected with my son when I'm not only not in the same house, but from time to time not even in the in the state. So that's where uh, the first book, Twenty Five Tips for Divorced Dads, came about. Was I, I would land. I would go from uh, Denver Airport to LaGuardia on a Sunday, and the first place I would go, Susan, was to uh, the bookstore and, and get five postcards. And so throughout the week, I'd be writing postcards and sending them back to him, and uh, he'll be – he's 17 now. He still has those postcards, which I really? love. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what what a, I love that the book, the 25 tips. I was looking through it and I mentioned to you, you know, when I was in litigate when I was handling litigation cases for divorce, the majority of my clients were actually men. For some reason, men just chose to hire me. I, I had female clients, of course, but, um, and the one thing that I kind of noticed for my dads that I was representing is that they were a little lost at the time that they had to start parenting solo, I'll call it that. And, and I, you know, most of them said, well, it's always been something that was managed 
by my wife or by the kid's mom, by my co-parent, you know, that that our time as a family was something, well, mom said, oh, we're going to go pick pumpkins today. And that's what we did as a family. Or we're going to go to the game or we're going to go and do something. They said, but now all of a sudden, I'm in my new apartment or my new house or my new hotel room like <laughs> you, and I'm one-on-one with my my child or my children. And it was a new experience for a lot of dads. Um, and so your 25 tips, the, the subtitle to the book is how to create special memories and grow bonds with your children. And that's what really reached out to me because I thought, what a fabulous resource for dads who might be feeling that way. It, it was hard. It, uh, my former wife is, uh, you know, a, an A personality, and I'm as laid back as they come. And so it was an eye opener of, oh my gosh, what I I'm now a dad, part two really, and how can I spend quality time with Connor and also, you know, give him a, a, a positive life. Again, you know, when we first were staying at hotels until I got my, my town home. And so it really was, again, an eye opener of going, all right, what, what can we do together? What can we, um, it's, it's the quality time, not quantity. It's, it's really spending that time together. And so we would, you know, we would find things, um, you know, prior to that, before uh, the divorce, I was, for almost two years, I was a stay-at-home dad, and I loved it. I, you know, he and I went everywhere. I mean, talk about a wingman. We would go to the mall. We would we would be those, you know, typical, you know, you see the moms in their strollers with their coffee, just walk around the mall. We were that, too. And we'd walk around, and he would just be looking up at the lights, and it was just great bonding moments. And I really believe, Susan, if I didn't have that time with him, if I really wasn't a stay-at-home dad, I firmly believe our relationship would have been one of those where you hear horrible stories about, about you know, your kids. And so I'm very blessed that, you know, my former wife, you know, gave me the opportunity to uh, be the stay-at-home dad. And so, look, I mean, luckily for me, even though I was trying to figure it all out after the divorce, I had a little bit of that experience, again, being a stay-at-home dad, where we could do things. We could, you know, definitely get out of the hotel, go to the pool, but then get out of the hotel and go play mini golf or go see a movie. Just spending time together because it was, I, I narrowed it down or it was less than 48 hours I would have with him. On, on a weekend. And so utilizing as much time without overdoing it was, was my goal every time I had him. That's, you know, that's such an interesting thing for me to hear because um, I want to talk about being the stay home uh, dad, uh, stay at home dad as well. But I also, you know, one of the things that I've often heard from listeners, from female clients, from moms is that, well, through, the marriage, I was always the parent who did the homework with the kids. I was always the parent who went to the school events. I was always the parent who organized the play dates, bought the birthday presents for their friends, and coordinated all of those things. And so there's an expectation, I think, for a lot of mothers that at the time of the divorce, it's like, well, I've always been that person. He doesn't know how to do it. I've heard that. Or he doesn't 
um, you know, I do it, I should continue doing it. And I've literally heard judges say to that remark, he can learn. And, you know, you were kind of, I think, maybe in that situation. But there's, I think what's missing in the he can learn is, and he wants to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you very much stepped up and wanted to be the dad, the parent, a stay-at-home dad at the time. I I went through watching my parents' divorce. I mean, I literally watched my dad the day he left. And that's, that's one memory that's always going to be tattooed uh, on my brain. And I, I love my dad to death. I mean, we, we get along so well. But because of that experience, because of seeing firsthand, I didn't want my son, number one, to see me leave. You know, I didn't want him to go through that, that trauma. And so my, my goal, Susan, was to make sure that I could learn things. I mean, I, I had to learn how to cook at a very early age. Uh, my mom worked two jobs or she was going to night school. So I had to learn. I mean, sure, I made TV dinners. I mean, that was easy, throw them in the oven and all that stuff. But there are other things I learned how to make, like meatloaf. I I think I could make a pretty darn good meatloaf. And so cooking, luckily for me, was something I enjoyed doing. But at the same time, and I think I put that in the book, was having your kids right next to you learning how to cook. I mean, teaching them life skills going forward. And so, yeah, just like you were saying about judges, for me, and I don't want to speak for all the men, but for me, yeah, I wanted to learn. I wanted to, you know, be a better dad than my dad was. And, and, and as parents, that's what we want. We want our kids to do better than than us, you know, economically, socially, all that good stuff. And I already had some of the tools, but it was having to learn, you know, new skills to be a, a good dad, to, you know, just be supportive. And again, not being in the household with him was, was probably the hardest thing ever. Again, going from being a stay-at-home dad where, I was with them constantly and I, I did work a, a night job. So it balanced really well for our household. So I was with him a, a, a lot, but when I got divorced, that was, that was hard. That was just, again, because of going through that, how could I help other dads? How can I you know, say to other men out there that, okay, you're not in the same household, but what can you do? on a daily basis to stay connected with your kids. And again, that's where the book idea came from was just to share with other dads to that. It's okay, but you have to be consistently involved with your kids. You have to. Well, and you have to forge some new paths and you have to learn some new things. I'm wondering, you know, one thing that I, I know is a phrase that I've heard often throughout my practice is the Disney dad syndrome where dads, you know, feel that they have to go to extreme lengths to amuse or make their children happy when they're with them because they feel that they've, you know, their time's been limited. Um, And, and, you know, did you have some, do you have tips around that? Because I know in the moment it feels really good, but maybe it's not always the best for the children. 
I'll never forget when I first moved to Colorado, I was living with my cousin and my cousin was the epitome of a Disneyland dad. So as soon as he picked his daughter up, we would head right to Toys R Us. The days when we had Toys R Us. Yes. And he would look at his daughter, whatever you need, whatever you want, you know, go get it. And I was like, I, you're not doing your daughter justice because it boils down to our kids just want to spend time with us and events, you know, you can buy them toys, but come on, those toys are going to be broken within a few hours or a week. You want to create memories. And some of the memories I've been very fortunate is because my son plays hockey and my, my former spouse understood that hockey was, that was our thing. That was, you know, that's how we, we bonded. Cause I used to, I used to play, I coached him. I, I spent a lot of, uh, I, I kid because I wrote a blog post years ago called I cheated and got caught. <laughs> and what happened was I would beg these, these head coaches and say, Hey, can I be an assistant coach? Because all I want to do is spend more time with my son and they're like, yeah, sure, come on, come on. So one year, we're getting ready for tryouts, and the director said, oh, by the way, Tommy, um, we need another head coach. You're going to be it. I'm like, no, 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 no. I I, I, I just want to spend time with my son. I don't want to have to now think about stuff like that. And so that's what happened. I got caught. But it's about events. And so I've been very fortunate to uh, – for a couple of years, he played travel hockey. So he and I would be the ones on the planes, staying in hotels together, having meals together and just bonding. And again, that's what our kids really want. They want to spend time with you. They don't, they don't need another Xbox. They don't need another, whatever the next widget is. They want time with you. And so again, that's why I was saying earlier, I felt so guilty that I took, well, it's a lot of it because I'm a recovering Catholic, so uh, a lot of Catholic guilt right there. The not having, you know, the time anymore. And so that's what our kids want, bottom line, Susan. They just want to spend time with us, you know. There's going to be times, you know, with our teenagers, eventually they're going to say, ah, I'm done with you. Okay, as long as you can build up positive fatherhood up until that point you know you've done a good job right well and that there's that positive fatherhood you called it um you told a a wonderful story in your tedx um about what your dad said to you when you called to tell him he was a grandfather and then you brought george costanza into it so maybe you could tell that story just because i enjoyed the whole the whole thing i always remembered the the george costanza where he did the opposite and that Seinfeld episode where he did everything to upset and the whole world was working for him. And with my dad, my dad has a very dry sense of humor. Um, but when it, when it comes down to, to advice, I, I will call him, I will ask him. And so the day uh, Connor was born, you know, you have to, you, you got to call the moms, the grandmothers and, and say, Hey, you're a grandmother. Great hang up, call the next one, you know. And so with my dad, 
Um, Henry had laid down the law and said, I don't want to be called grandfather. I don't want to be called papa. I want to be, and again, he has changed. He's an awesome, awesome grandfather, not only to, to my son, Connor, but to my wife's two daughters, are, are my bonus daughters. He treats them just like blood, and I owe a lot to him. Um, you know, because of him, I learned how to be a chaperone. You know, anytime um, my son's school, when he was in grade school, needed chaperones, I learned from my dad because that's what my dad would do. But when I called my dad to let him know that he's a grandfather, and I told him that, he said, well, let me tell you, son, do you know what your role is now as a father? And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. This is like a trick question, Susan. I don't well, know. Well, and you're only I, like 10 minutes into fatherhood, too. Exactly. So. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> Pop quiz. Pop quiz, exactly. Oh, I didn't study. And he said... I said to him, I go, well, just, just to love him and care for him and whatever, or as they say in Seinfeld, yada, yada, yada. He's like, no, your job as a parent to screw up your kid as best you can. And I'm like, okay, dad, I got to go. <laughs> so that's where the Costanza thing comes in is because I want to do everything opposite. And so the, the new book, uh, dad's advice at 5 or 4 a.m the little subtitle is how to screw up your kids as best you can but in a positive way so i reversed engineered everything like i said field trips i was always the first one to sign up and sometimes i'd be the only dad which was fine um you know spending time with with uh my son you know doing things that uh, I, I could with him. That's that's all I wanted to do. Again, the the Catholic guilt of you know not in the marriage, not spending enough time, or you know it's you know the cats in the cradle song pops in my head on a daily basis right now yeah. because he's going to be off to college next year, and it's like, man, I need to spend some more time with him. And so I, it goes back to your earlier question. As, as kids, they just want to spend time with their parents. That's the, the bottom line. I mean, you you can get them all the greatest gifts you want. I mean, it's it's the memories. That's, that's what's going to come down to it. I'd like to take a moment now to tell you about my favorite co-parenting app, FAIR. There are other apps out there, but FAIR is the only one that I recommend to my clients. We know that divorce is never easy, and when children are in the picture, it can be really tricky, especially when you're trying to communicate with your ex, and that's a challenge. Now there's an app with you and your kids in mind. It's called FAIR, F-A-Y-R. FAIR is the easiest, most intuitive, and conflict-diffusing co-parenting app on the market. It helps to eliminate misunderstandings while also improving communication between co-parents. Here's what the FAIR app can do. It has a time-sharing calendar, documentable text messaging, an expense tracker, a GPS check-in, and by the way, no one else has that, a monthly parenting report, a private journal, a file vault, and importantly, you can export all of the records into a convenient and time and date stamped PDF when you need it for your attorney or for court, and there's a Spanish version of the app as well. So subscribe at BFAIR.com. 
BefaYR.com. That's B-E-F-A-Y-R.com. And then download FAIR from the App Store or Google Play. You can go to FAIR.com for more details and use the discount code SUSANG18 to receive 20% off. Stay tuned for more from Susan and her guest, Tommy Maloney, talking about divorce and positive fatherhood. I'm going to probably get myself in trouble saying this, Susan, but I know as men, we get a bad rap that we're not nurturers by nature, but we truly are. And, you know, when you look at the statistics of stay-at-home dads, I mean, they've, they've gone up year after year after year. If you are enjoying this episode, check out Happy Holidays, how co-parents can avoid holiday nightmares with parenting expert, Christina McGee. Part of it is take five, 10 minutes and do it on a lunch break, do it before you go to bed, but just think about like, what's most important to me about this holiday? Where am I feeling uneasy? Uh, what am I stressed about? Because let's face it, the holidays are stressful, period. <laughs> Even when you're not going through divorce, And now we return to today's show. One of the things I don't want to lose sight of to ask you about, because I get very curious and I'd love to hear about your experience. You mentioned that you were, for a time period, a stay-at-home dad. Um, And as I mentioned, we've done the episode on... um, on toxic masculinity, I also had an episode with Susan Eckstein, who was a non-custodial mother. Um, So her ex became the custodial parent of the children, and she received a a fairly poor reception from the rest of the world to her non-custodial status as a mother. In the reverse of that, how did you feel and how did you feel accepted or supported by society at large as a stay-at-home dad? <laughs> I have to laugh because I actually was able to feel what stay-at-home moms went through, uh, especially going back to the workforce. When you have you know a gap in your resume and they're like, well, where have you been the past year and a half, two years? And I'm like, I, I was a stay-at-home dad. I worked know, a a part-time job at night to, you know, help support. And you would get those questions of, but you're a man. Why, why are you doing that? Why isn't your wife doing that? I'm like, well, number one, she made way more money than I did. So that's number one. And number two, I wanted to stay home. I wanted to, you know, be the caregiver. And I, I know and I'm going to probably get myself in trouble saying this, Susan, but I know as men, we get a bad rap that we're not nurturers by nature, but we truly are. And, you know, when you look at the statistics of stay-at-home dads, I mean, they've they've gone up year after year after year. And that's because we we do want to be the caregiver. We do want to be, you know, home with them. And, you know, for your example about the non-custodial mom, it's, it is hard because you have society that looks at well, what is normal. You know, I look at where our world is right now and everybody talks about the new normal and I just want to slap somebody if they say, well, the new normal. Well, there, there's really no such thing as normal. I mean, I remember years ago I was writing a piece and somebody had asked me, well, do you think blended families are the new normal? And I'm like, 
Well, if you look back at the Brady Bunch, I mean, that was not normal. I mean, that was that was science fiction back then. Yeah. You know, having these two families under one roof. And so what I, I, I think that the best way to describe it, Susan, is what is best for your family? So for that example you're talking about, well, what was best for that family? Maybe it was best for the children to be closer to a, a certain school. You know, maybe it was just a, a, a better way of raising their kids. And that's what, you know, that's the thing that drives me nuts about co-parenting. To some, co-parenting is who's a better parent. That's not what it's about. Co-parenting is about the kids. You should always put the kids first. And, you know, one of the things that my wife, uh, Ann and I, when we first started dating, we we said, if our kids didn't get along, we weren't going to continue dating because that's not fair to the kids. And so you have to look at what is the best situation for your family. So again, what is a normal situation for your family to make it work best for the kids? Yeah. Well, and that's in Susan's case, um, in that episode, it was very much a decision that she made with her ex-husband about what was going to work best for the children who have done beautifully. Um, In fact, she mentioned in the episode, this was one of the things that really stuck out for me, obviously, since I'm mentioning it, but she, her kids had been seeing a therapist for another reason, um, or had been, I'm sorry, going to therapy through the time of the divorce because the parents wanted to make sure the kids were processing well and had someone to talk to. And the therapist said to the parents after the divorce and beyond that, that, you know, your kids have the usual stressors in life and things like that. But I think it's a testament to you too, as parents, they've never shown stress or anxiety around the divorce in the therapeutic setting, which I've never heard from any therapist in 30 years of being, you know, a divorce attorney and mediator. Um, And that's truly the putting the children first and making those decisions. But society, unfortunately, is not particularly supportive of people stepping out outside of the traditional roles. Um, and it's it's unfortunate. Um, and then it really can come into play. Now, you've also mentioned a blended family. In fact, Blending the Family is the name of the show, your podcast and, and your blog. And you have wonderful resources out there on that topic as well. So I do want to touch on blending families. I happen to be a part of a blended family myself. I married into triplets, step triplets, and and my husband. Um, I didn't have children of my own. I, I love one thing I thought of, though, when you mentioned the Brady Bunch. Did you ever notice that you never saw co-parents in the Brady Bunch? I don't know if they were both widowed and widower, um, but there were never co-parents, and the kids were never going off to the other parent's house or anything like that. So I actually did... <laughs> As best I could, some backstory research on it because years ago I I, I did a talk, um, and it was about how to create a blended family. And so the story is, he was a widower, she was divorced, and you're right, you never saw the girls ever go ever. So yeah, so it, it was like their dad just disappeared exactly so yeah apparently unfortunately dad might have been a deadbeat dad i don't know (laughs) there's a headline for the brady bunch brady bunch (laughs) dad deadbeat dad yeah 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 (laughs) but But you are you're a stepdad 
or a bonus dad. Let me use your phrasing, um, which I love. We use bonus in my family as well. And you have two stepdaughters or bre- bonus daughters. Yeah. Uh, one is, oh my God. I'm, I, I just have to say, I am so blessed because both girls are super smart. They are, uh, I've never, I really have never had an issue with either of them. And uh, the oldest Betsy is uh, in grad school. She is following her dad's footsteps and becoming a physician's assistant. Uh, her sister, Becca, is a freshman uh, here in Colorado at, at uh, school, college, the thing. Northern Colorado. <laughs> college. See you, something. Boulder? No, uh, University of Northern Colorado. So, okay. So, yeah. Um, matter of fact, uh, I used to write for an online magazine, and I'm drawing a blank, but I never really had uh, Betsy, the older one, she doesn't like serious conversations, and so I knew that, and so one of the things I did was I, I wrote like an op-dad piece specifically for her that I wanted to share with other dads that have bonus daughters that there are going to be those times where it's, it's not easy saying the, I love you. It's, it's more of a mutual respect, a mutual relationship. And matter of fact, when she was going to college at, uh, in Fort Collins, I was going to Toastmasters. And so a couple of times I would say, Hey, if you have free time, let's go grab a cup of coffee before uh, my Toastmaster meeting. And so, you know, our relationship is just, it's more, I hate to say it this way, but it's more like a business relationship. Um, with her sister, uh, Becca and I, Becca is just, she's a goofball. And her uh, and my son, if if Connor didn't have brown eyes, the two of them could be twins. They really could. And you know, a quick story about the two of them is because Becca is, you know, a year plus in age, they get along so well because they're so close to each other. Yeah. But when they were eight, nine, I think they came to me and said, we want to write a book. I said, awesome. What do you want to do? And they said, we want to come up with tips of our own to help other, other kids going through divorce. And I'm just like, Oh my God, Susan, talk about uh, two young kids with a giving heart. I'm like, all right, what do you want to do? And they said, well, we want to write five tips. And so there, here's where the negotiator and me came in. I said, well, how about 15? And they said about 10. I go, deal. Sold. So <laughs> they wrote a, a coloring book called uh, 10 Tips on How to Survive Your Parents' Divorce. And so I, I look at going back to my wife and I saying, if the kids didn't get along, you can't create a household because it's not fair to them. You don't want to have the, that excess baggage. You don't need constant fighting within the household. And so, like I said, I'm very blessed that all three of them get along just like blood, brother and sister. Um, I was just telling the story this past weekend where when we, we did a family flash honeymoon 
uh, when we got married and we went to San Diego. And afterward, my wife said, what was, what was the best part for you? And I said, there was one day we were just sitting at the pool and they were just having a good time. And I said, that's what I loved. And, and I said, what about you? She said, the times they were arguing because that truly meant that they accepted each other. And I'm like, that's awesome. And it's yeah. true that they were so yeah. comfortable enough to, to yell at each other. And I'm just like, okay, I get it. I understand it. Yeah, because siblings don't get along every single day, um, you know, every single moment of every single day. So it it is a true sign that they can argue, but also then get back to being close to being friends. You know, so I love that your 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 overriding concept was the you know, the emotional content for the children in mm -hmm. blending the family, because that is, you know, again, children don't ask for our divorces. They don't ask for our remarriages. They don't, you know, this is all happening to them. So putting them at the forefront um, is the best possible way to end up with a, a, a blended family that works well for everyone. Well, it cracks me up because with social media that like Beck and Connor are on the same social media platforms and they'll they'll talk to each other through that way and i love it because again it, it just shows that they were able to you know first be strangers and then become i mean there are times where we don't even use the word bonus we just say brother and sister or yeah. annoying brother Family. to them yeah well, I love the resources you've created for people, I, I, especially the coloring book. Where can people get? So you have your, your two books and the coloring book and then the new book that will be coming out. Where will people be able to get that? Uh, website, blendingthefamily.com, blendingthefamily.com. You didn't know I was <laughs> going to break on the song. Yeah. Well, I will, of course, have blendingthefamily.com in, um, in the show notes, but is can they reach you as well through blendingthefamily.com? Yep. Yep. Okay. Perfect. And the podcast is? Blending the Family. And where can you find that? On the website, blendingthefamily.com, uh, iTunes, not iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Oh, all I, the majors. I, I lost, all the majors. I, 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 I heart. I heart radio. Yeah. Those are all the majors. So, well, yeah. thank you so much, Tommy, for coming on today. I'm so happy that we got to talk about positive fatherhood. And I hope that this helps the dads out there. Of course, that was just, you know, we can only skim such a, a, a large and important topic, but I encourage everyone to go out and get the books, read some of your blogs on blending the family on the website. Um, they're, they're wonderful. Thank you, Susan. I am, again, I am so honored to have the time to speak with you. And I know we've been trying to do this for a while and, you know, here we are and our time's up. Bummer, well, but it's, yeah, but it's perfect because it's just before your book's coming out. Hopefully by the time this episode airs, it'll be just uh, shortly before. So people will be able to get it. Tommy, really, thank you. Thank you, Susan. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. 
I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. Thank you.